What's going on there, seat sniffers? Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation podcast here. Leaving the office. See the wheelie, the freaking wheelie bike boys on my left, hanging out at the Indian Deli. <clears throat> like to go there and pick up their Monster Energy drinks. Maybe uh, some vape juice. Maybe a hookah. Some sort of bong. I sure as hell ain't buying Indian food. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. <clears throat> I enjoy Indian food. Okay, just in case anybody thinks I'm being uh, derogatory. I do enjoy Indian food. My wife will not have it. Um, go ahead, fuckface. You, you can turn, because I don't... You can see you're impatient. Okay, um... Yeah, I like Indian food. I forget. I don't even know. I, I like gulab jamun. That is a dessert with uh, these milk powder balls, or like very much like um, like donut holes, and they're in this honey. They're freaking delish. Gulab jamun. I'm not even a dessert guy, but they're delicious. Then there's uh, something with kind of like a pink sauce with a um, little bit of spice, some carrots, uh, maybe some goat or lamb in there or something. A little bit sweet, maybe some peas. Very, very tasty, wasty. A friend of mine runs a little blog or a podcast or something called Just, Just Spice or Loving Spice or something like that. She's of Indian descent, I believe, and her pictures are absolutely beautiful. And uh, I've made no secret that I really enjoy the dishes that she would share, apparently makes, just add spice or something to Spice Girl, I don't know. It's beautiful. It's art. Pleasing to all the senses. It gives me horrible gas. But it's worth it. Speaking of gas, I told my students yesterday during... The one, two, three, A, and Stank and P. That uh, I had a little flatulence. Was trying to break the mood, you know what I mean? Break a little wind, set the mood. Trying to break their uh, misery of sitting listening to an anatomy lecture on neuroscience. Spice things up a little bit. So I told them about how I had a little flatulence over the weekend. Had a chimichanga, fried chimichanga. on Friday night and a tall beer was delicious and so I probably had a sustained breaking of wind flatulence flattest fart of about 15-20 seconds made various noises as I you know tightened up my sphincter I shared that with him why? because I'm crude I like that kind of humor and I think fart equals funny and so, damn it, why not just spice things up, get the class chuckling a little bit at my expense. I don't give a shit. So that was cool. Um, today was a good day. This was a beautiful day outside. I didn't see much of it. I had a very busy day uh, today. Saw a lot of patients. Helped a lot of people. Put a lot of smiles on faces. In the process, put one on myself. 
because it's my duty, it's my obligation to make people feel better. They don't want to see some fucking mope. Right? So I'm smiling even if I don't feel like it. And when you fake it, eventually you make it. You start feeling so I feel fulfilled, had a good day. You've heard this song and dance from me before. Tired though, ready to friggin' go home, have a nice meal, sit on the couch with my family, lick my wounds a little bit. I got these carrot cake muffins that my wife gets. Very Pennsylvania Dutch, these muffins. They're delicious with cream cheese frosting. I just have like a quarter of one or a spoonful of it inside the little container. I'll just take a little big tablespoon of it. Maybe two. Fucking real hearty. Got nuts and raisins in there. Shredded carrots. Delicious. Legit. In fact, um, there I might have said this before, but there's this legendary bakery up in New York City, in Queens. Forget the name of it. Probably get a hit put out on me if I talk trash openly. But it's it's a a corner gross a corner uh, bakery that everybody goes to, and if they come in from out of town, they will pick up stuff here at this bakery and all these different uh, varieties of cookies and Danish Danishes and shit. Spoyadel, whatever the fuck that is. And it's sought after. So you get give you a nice little white box of confections and such. <clears throat> With a nice red and white string wrapped around the box. Nice bow on it. With their sticker on the box. This is such and such. Rocco's Bakery, we'll call it. <clears throat> well, my wife comes home. She's like, oh, we got this Rocco's. This is the best. Here, try it. I got you a carrot cake. She went up to New York City for a uh, shower of some sort. Wedding shower, whatever. Baby shower, I don't fucking know. All I know is I was thankful not to have to go. So she comes back with this box and the carrot cake in it. This carrot cake sucked. It sucked a big fat dick. And meanwhile, a quarter of a mile down the road, we got a Pennsylvania Dutch friggin' monster cupcake with the cream cheese icing and all that shit. Delicious. So, maybe that's not their specialty, but don't try to pull off a carrot cake if you don't have, you know, you need to don't try to make your own recipe for carrot cake, all right? It's, it tastes like a spice cake. With some friggin' Betty Crocker frosting out of a can, which is delicious too, but it's not not like Pennsylvania Dutch make. Um, so what's fuck? I'm talking about Indian food, talking about friggin' carrot cake muffins. Let's get to the point here. Shared a book review with you yesterday. I'm still on that book. I've paid it forward to a few people already. Had a change your mind. Basically, break it down, build you up. Stop recycling all the same old bullshit stories and negative crap and needless stuff. Erase that from your hard drive. Run a little antivirus program. I feel like some days we could all use to run that antivirus. The hell you thinking about? You're one to that. Like, why the hell am I thinking about some, you know, whatever. 
failure. I didn't do well on this test when I was in college, or um, I my girlfriend dumped me that one time, or whatever. I, I don't think about shit like that necessarily. But you ever catch yourself reflecting in the past based upon nonsense? Oh, you know, the, the guy cut me off last week. Oh, so pissed off about that. Fucking last week, it's over. Just hypotheticals, but run that antivirus program. Scrub, scrub, scrub. Delete that information. Now you got more usable information on your hard drive. A little actionable intelligence. And you're not sweating the small shit. Right? We could all use that some days. Run that hard drive. Run that friggin' uh, antivirus program. That is essentially meditation. Is, is the antivirus program, as far as I, I know. And just in acknowledging, <clears throat> guys talking about different types of memory, so there's declarative memory where we could, and, and learning where we can take, we can declare that we understand this particular information and we can use it, and then there's non-declarative information, which is, uh, you know, getting kind of technical here, but non-declarative information strike that. Declarative information would be in the higher brain centers like the neocortex, the big brain brain that the zombies eat, the front of our frontal lobe that's right behind our forehead. That's what makes us us. That's what makes Aaron Aaron or Chuck Chuck or Sally Sally. But the non-declarative information, we don't even need to think about. This is kind of connected to our cerebellum, which is you smack the back of your head, just above your neck. That's your cerebellum. Your occipital lobe lives back there. Your your cerebellum is the very bottom aspect of the brain. And there's so many connections, more connections going to and coming from the cerebellum than any other part of the brain. Exponentially more, I believe. <coughs> so, therefore, it controls a lot of things. And it does this automatically. So if you... Let's say you get in your car and you drive down the road and you don't have to think about things so much. You have to stay between the lines and to make this signal or to brake. You're just you're not even thinking about driving. And compare that to when you first learn to drive. You're all right. What do I do? Brake, gas, uh, steering wheel. Uh, my directionals are here, and you gotta you know oh gotta find them because a, a light's coming up and I might have to turn. We don't even need to think. We can feel that. We can. We don't even need to feel it. We are, we are locked and cocked, ready to rock with non-declarative memory. Anything that you do automatic. You know, if you can juggle a, a soccer ball, or you can um, tie your shoe, or you can, um, you know, perform some act walking. It's the most simple breathing. These are all things that are autonomically control. We don't need to think about them. So what happens is we start thinking about this bullshit, stressing about small shit in this world, this busy world that we live in. And next thing you know, we're on this kind of, we we make these uh, declarative memories and and knowledge non-declarative. In other words, we don't even need to think about it. Our body's having a fight or flight response about some stupid shit because we're making a mountain out of a molehill, right? So anyway, great book, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he's like the only chiropractor that I've probably ever cited, that's right, probably 
uh, ever cited in terms of reading the guy's stuff. I mentioned yesterday about what the bleep do we know and the secret and the power of uh, laws of attraction, power of attraction or whatever that shit is, where whatever. This guy's pretty legit, pretty sensible conclusions that he's coming to, even if there's not necessarily hard science behind all of it. It makes sense. Alright? Don't you mind fuck yourself? Don't you get uh, lost in the boonies? In the weeds, so to speak? You're catching, you're like, wait, wait a fucking second. Why am I worrying about this dumb shit? Why am I, can I just flick a switch and decide to be, you know, turn my attention to other things? And the answer to that is that we are programmed, being programmed and by our society, by the man, by just the way that our, you know, the, the media, the politics and religion and our families and there's all these influences in our lives and they shape us. And sometimes we don't want to be fucking shaped that way and so we can decide to take a stand and change. Or don't. You know, if you don't believe that you can change, like sometimes, you know, you talk about your, whatever, your parents or your friend, oh, he'll never change, he's the same person. You wonder why they keep making the same mistakes over and over. It's because there are these patterns that they've assumed, these nerves that they've been firing down these particular pathways of abusing alcohol and drugs, of stressing about bullshit, of bad relationships, whatever. There are these patterns that they assume that definitely become hard, they can become hardwired to behave this way, and they don't change anything, they don't try hard enough, they don't acknowledge in their mind that, hey, there could be a pathway to to change, permanent change. I just need to change my brain pattern to something called neuroplasticity, where essentially imagine taking these hardwired uh, patterns in our mind and thinking a little bit differently, training our mind and our body to behave differently, steering clear of the bullshit that bogs us down and assuming, you know, and trying new pathways, new avenues to our goals, to happiness, to whatever we want in life. That's very interesting stuff. There's that. Hey, I spoke to a patient this morning, uh, or stepped at lunch, I guess. She's talking about the copper scrolls that were found. And she's talking about, I mean, I love her dearly. She's talking about change. It's, uh, it's that type of situation where here's an individual who said, oh, I, you know, retirement is the worst thing that I could ever have done. And I don't know. I said, well, why don't you go, you're useful. Why don't you go get a job, you know, be a greeter at Walmart, do something. There's, there's volunteer your time. And she feels very squeamish, very intimidated by going back into the workforce and particularly dealing with technology. And there's a lot of fear. Now, fuck that. Say that the, you know, the golden years and, you know, old and wise, they know those two things don't always jive together. Sometimes they do. The experience that comes with, with, with age and time and, and you know, doing things, there's definitely perspective there that should be respected. But our, as our anatomy and physiology, as our mind 
in all of our AMP declines over the years, we're left with a broken down body, arthritic, muscles wasting, replaced by adipose or fatty tissue, creaky joints, doctor's visits, you know, and these patterns are, 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 are very much, very difficult to change, I would imagine. I've seen it, I've observed it in other people, my family, my parents, my grandparents, my patients. Um, there is a sense that all the concrete have, has set, all the, the wires are, are firmly in place, and it would take an electrician to literally go in there and strip everything out lay new friggin' wires and contacts and all that shit, circuits, in order to change completely, so that's interesting, but this woman was talking about some copper scrolls that were found, you know, trying to validate her theology, which is fine, you know, whatever gets you through the day, uh, but it's troubling to me how troubled she is and how... I would love to see her rise above these things and and uh, be free from fear at a time when she's retired and you know she she really is not in a good place and I'd like to see uh, people not feel like that because she's a good person. Uh, let's see what else. Good demo. We'll list the patients there. Talked about books. Talked about philosophy. Had a friend of mine, uh, my Buddhist monk buddy. This guy inspires the shit out of me, man. 60-something years old, maybe approaching 70, always thinking he's going to start a new, um, he's going to start a temple, an organization uh, based upon the teachings that he's followed for years. I forget the type of Buddhism, but there are specific sects and types that um, philosophies that differ. And his is, I forget what it is. But he he created a name for his temple, his business essentially. He's talking about you know creating a five hundred one c or whatever the fuck that is, uh, uh, nonprofit, so that you can donate money to his temple and build it. And he's inspired to do this. Uh, we're talking a lot. Like when I bring up something philosophical. <clears throat> tell him about this book that I was just rambling about again, and he's like, I have a lot to say, when I put him back on heat, he's like, oh, I have a lot to say about that subject that you're, you brought up, but I said, dude, we gotta do another fucking podcast, he's telling me that he wants to name his temple, or fucking, yeah, Buddhist temple, I guess, uh, after the Susquehanna River, which is, I guess, one of the second, the second oldest river in the world, and that's just up the road here in Pennsylvania, extending through other um, states as well, I believe. The source is, is twofold. I guess it's got some sources up in northern New York. But very interesting how you've got an ancient river and imagine its course and all the friggin' boulders and twists and turns along its path and this, this substance called water, H2O. It's unique chemical composition uh, basically permits life on earth to thrive. And he wants a name. Imagine this gigantic ancient river. He wants to name his temple after that. I think that that's brilliant. And I said, listen, dude, 
we got to go up to the Unami Creek and talk about this. And I imagine sitting on a boulder with him and just talking. Just, just, he's somebody at 70 years of age that I'm very interested in him. I'm very interested in what's in his mind, the way he thinks. Um, he's a good fucking dude, man. His wife's awesome. And he's got, it's interesting because he's a Buddhist monk, but he's got challenges in his life just like everybody else. I mean, you think of a stereotypical Buddhist monk. And you think like somebody who you could spit in their face and they wouldn't even budge. They wouldn't respond at all. They're so composed. Or somebody who um, you know, could catch a fly with chopsticks, like a Mr. Miyagi type. Just completely composed or off in the cloud somewhere, meditating in a lotus position. So experienced, so unfettered, imperturbable. But it's not the way it is. Still has challenges, still has problems in his life. Things that he's trying to, to negotiate around. Dreams that he has. And he's trying to obtain them, just like a, just like a regular human being. You know? Everybody's got the same issues, the same human beings are are very curious creatures. But he's a fantastic guy. I, I really love him. And I'd like to spend more time with him. I'd like to go up to the Unami Creek, sit on a fucking boulder, and just watch that water pass us by and just talk about life. I'd like to share it with other people because it's interesting. For I don't know if you have people like this in your life, or you care enough, or you have the time enough to really discuss the big questions with somebody like that. Hmm. Somebody else. There's somebody else I was talking to about I mentioned stereotypical monk. I was stereotyping another group, this person. I was saying, well, you know, stereotypically, I would imagine that you are this way. And they're like, well, actually, that's not, that's not correct at all. <laughs> I was respectful about it, but, you know, here I am kind of passing judgment and speaking freely and, and like, oh, actually, you know, there people are not really like that. But that was interesting. So that's cool. Um, I don't know if I shared this much with you, but this is a really neat update. It lifted my spirits the other day. Unfortunately, about a month ago, my cousin passed away. She's 50 years old. Wonderful person. Married happily. Three kids. College age or moving in that direction. Big smiles on their faces. Live out in Colorado. You know, learned individual, intelligent, experienced, positive. And she passed. She had horrible cancer. It crept up on her out of nowhere, apparently. And then it was only a short time after that where she passed away. Got a call from her husband. Like, what the fuck is this? You know, really? Because we were just talking about coming out there and maybe linking up. In the summertime, traveling as the Oberst strive to travel across the country and experience more of this country and more of this world. 
as opposed to just going to the same old beach vacation, you know? Get out there with the kids and make some memories. So she passed away. Thinking about her and reflecting upon my experience with her, it became apparent to me that the memories that I have from 30, 35 years ago are really all I have. They're my entire experience with this person. I spent a couple days in her presence my entire life, like total, maybe 48 hours total in her presence. I shared previously that my grandfather used to rent a little place up in northeast Pennsylvania. It was a small lake. They called it a pond. It's called Swago Pond. And it was maybe five miles in diameter or uh, uh, circumference. So, very, uh, not a small, I mean, it's, you get out there and row on it, believe me, you're going to, you'll feel like you got some exertion in, especially if there was a wind kicking up, but anyway, roughly circular lake, you got a friggin' uh, across the way, there were, was a boys camp and a girls camp from back in the day, and Camp Swago, right, so my grandfather used to rent this place for a couple weeks in the summer, we would drive up there and parents would drop us off and we'd spend a week fishing and having meals and swimming and splashing and having adventures in the countryside with grandpa and with one another. My my cousins would come the next week or the week prior and we would kind of swap stories. Oh, Kevin and Colleen did this. Oh, even Aaron, what are you guys going to do? They go to check that out. And so I have fucking tremendous memories from this time. And reflecting about the passing of my cousin and just kind of feeling bad about and being introspective about being a 45-year-old man with kids growing and work and bills and all that stuff. I... I figured, you know what, I, I would love to go back up to that lake. I've talked about it so many times. I'd like my kids to experience that. You know, something like that with their grandparents. And, you know, my father-in-law, he passed away. My parents, I don't know, we're not close. I'll say that much. And they're wonderful people, but my kids don't see them a whole lot. And they got their own problems, etc., etc., but I would love to spend a week on that lake and just chill out, row around, fish a little bit, go out, get a couple meals locally, swim, splash, and just remember shit. I hope that my kids would have the same experience as I. So I think I might have that opportunity, long story short, because... I searched on Facebook for Swago Pond, and I found there was a, a um, conversation between my deceased cousin, Colleen, and this woman who apparently lives in and around Swago Pond. And I told her, you know, about the unfortunate passing of my cousin. I said, hey, you know, if you know anybody who's got a place to rent, you let us know, and I'll be damned if she didn't identify 
a house that we could rent right on a lake. It's got a dock and boats. And so my, I, haven't, I haven't told my immediate family yet because that I'm planning on doing this because I don't know. I, I just, I don't honestly don't have enough time. I mean, I'm sitting in the driveway right now doing this podcast. It's important to me and I want to, but I'll go in that house and eat my dinner and sit on the couch and hug and kiss everybody and go to bed and the grind continues tomorrow. And I love the grind, but you know what I'm saying? It's pretty interesting that, uh, the way life is. So long story short, I, this woman, Maureen, seems to have identified a uh, house that we can stay in. I'm going to bring my kids and, and my wife and kids up there, maybe try to coerce my other cousin to come out there with his family. We'll stay there for a week, a few days. It's only two or three hours away from our current home. So it's like I could be there by midnight comfortably and you know, be sitting on Lake Swago. And what's interesting is that I consider... Is this place still as special? If the, thinking about all this memory, declarative memory, and non-declarative memory, neuroscience mumbo-jumbo. Where does that experience reside? Where is my childhood experience on this lake? Where does it live? Where does, why is that so dear to me? Why is that memory so important to me? I mean, it's kind of obvious. Fishing with Grandpa, smiles, laughs, smells of the lake, all appealing to all the senses. All those memories. Grandpa writing his little journal. He'd write pages upon pages. That's how he record his shit. So maybe I get my thinking and my expression from him in part. But there's a possibility that we could go up to the lake and it wouldn't be what it was. Maybe the lake has been polluted. Doesn't seem like it. Seems like it's rural enough that it probably has, you know, time, the place that time forgot. You know, it's still the beautiful little Pocono retreat. Not much of an economy nearby, but people that own homes on lakes and go up there and relax from the cities. And so hopefully it's the very same lake and there's a very, there's some lunkers down there in the waters of Lake Swago. I can see the sunlight playing through the trees and uh, shining upon the lake in the shallows and that down tree that is just coming off the bank and that's where I would cast my jitterbug and big bass come up and eat it, bring the bring my fish proudly back to uh, put it on a gill line, bring it proudly back to my grandpa who would cook it for dinner. And just the tradition of it all, shooting my BB gun out there and just nobody fucking with you. It's completely relaxed, chill, climb up the hill to the abandoned bus and sneak around that and see what's going on in there and all that shit. Looking at some wildlife, corn stalks, you know, fresh corn growing in the fields of Pennsylvania. Farmers driving their fucking plows and shit. Libwurst and onion sandwich with grandpa and a cream soda and grandma with her uh, 
Graham, we called her with her uh, apricots, dried apricots. She was big on those, and they were none of that sulfured shit where they're really nice and soft and tasty. These were like fucking withered up shit. Dry, but good, chewy. This, why am I, th- what do I think about that? You know, these are precious memories to me. And um, I'm glad that, that I have them. I cherish them. And I would love to experience this with my family and make this a tradition to go to Lake Suego and keep some of this alive, rekindle those flames, share it with others, and take the chance that they're not going to dig it and they're going to want to go down the beach and we've kind of built our own life, you know. So that's that's possible, but I'm sure it would be a wonderful experience. Anyway, that's cool. That's interesting. Tomorrow I'm going to sleep the fuck in. I told my A&Pers that uh, we're going to have a virtual class, so I'll dump some neuroscience anatomy, some neuroanatomy on the Facebook page. They're friggin' beat up, tired, halfway mark of the semester, but they're good. Had a young lady come in this afternoon for an adjustment and really seemed to appreciate it. Ironically, she's, she admitted she's not doing so well in my class. And she still wants to come in and get adjusted. So I don't know what that's about, but I usually expect somebody who's really excelling to feel bold enough and confident enough and to come in and, and get care. But she seemed like a very nice young lady. Happy to take care of her. So I'm going to sleep in a little bit tomorrow. Fuck around, get some groundwork laid for the day. Busy night tomorrow at the office. Busy morning, Saturday, Friday. And then we're off to the weekend again. It's crazy, man. We're on Halloween. We're looking at the end of next week. It's Halloween. It's very spooky. And I'm thinking about being either um, Frankenstein, and Mandy would be uh, Bride of Frankenstein, or... I would consider being Dracula. I want to go with something very basic and Halloweeny. We'll see. Listen, love and respect everybody. I'll tune back in tomorrow. I'll try to have some new content there. There's so many things that flash across my mind during the day today. Oh, I got a couple innovations that I um, that I'm working. I'll tell you about those tomorrow and put more thought into them. And maybe share them with you a little bit. You steal them from me. I'm going to fuck your day up. Okay? Used to be a guy. Used to chase us around the Pine Barrens neighborhood. Name was Bobby Brown. I hope he's okay. Alive and well. He had some issues. He was a little bit. Some challenges. Um, but he used to say. Hey, rough rocky voice. Hey Aaron. How are you? He was like 30 years old. But he was riding a bike. Kind of out of mind of a, ch- of a. You know. A young person. And uh, he said, hey, Aaron, how are you? Hey, Leanna. He always go after my friend Leanna and want to date her and make unwelcome advances to her. He'd be like, hey, Aaron, leave me. Oh, why are you protecting her? And I'm like, I'm like 10 years old. He's like 30, riding a bike. He'd be like, I'll fuck your day up, Aaron. <laughs> I'll fuck your day up. One time on Halloween, uh, this is a spooky tale. 
me and my buddies, we're a little bit older now, maybe 14, 15, we go out, but we're kind of too cool for trick-or-treating. We go around, and there's Bobby Brown, and he fucking, he starts throwing rocks at us and calling us names. Hey, I'll fuck your day up, Aaron. And I'm not even that good of a shot. I threw, I picked up a rock and threw it back at him. I hit him right in the freaking head, right in the temple. Boom. He flipped out. He, like, grabbed the road. He grabbed, like, a a break in the uh, asphalt and, like, picked it up like he was making a bed, like he was uh, fitting a sheet to a bed. He, like, put his fingers underneath between the layers of asphalt, the new and the old, and started ripping up the asphalt and breaking it on the ground. (laughs) We were like, let's get the fuck out of here. This guy's going to kill somebody. Good old Bobby Brown. He had a scar from stem to stern. I don't know. He had some sort of surgery or something. I hope he's okay. But I'll fuck your day up.